Welcome to Applesauce, a technology podcast brought to you by yours truly. I am Joe Darnell, and with me is my new, my fresh co-host, Mr. Lee Peterson. How are you doing, Lee? I'm good, thanks. It is a pleasure to have you on the microphone. Thank you. We've been talking about this podcast for quite a while. It's been a good good couple of months, I think. I don't know. But we got it together. We've got different sides of the pond. So, you know, time differences aside, we're, we're cool. We're on the same page. It can be di- very difficult to align our schedules as we found over the winter in 2016. I was going through some family matters, and that's why I haven't been podcasting as much on my other shows. But I've been really eager to launch the Applesauce podcast for well over, I kid you not, I've been holding onto this namely for maybe five years. That's a long time. Well, you think about it, it was maybe five years ago I discovered the Mac Power users and I loved their strong name. And then like so many others that came after them, they got locked into a name that had Mac in the name. Then they wound up talking about a lot of things that didn't have to do with the Mac. So I wanted a name that was broader reaching. And so I wanted Apple in the name, maybe kind of, sort of. So it felt like it was about technology. But then I didn't want it to be locked into Apple technology. So I needed a name that would express that it could be a variety show that d- dealt with more than just Apple products. I, th- I think having, having Mac in a show title in 20. 20- 17 is something we probably won't be seeing. <laughs> I think Apple is Apple. You know, it's it's iOS, Mac, everything, cars, who knows what. Yeah, you know, if Apple were coming out with the Mac today, do you think that they would call it the Apple computer instead of the Mac or the iMac? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I don't, I don't think they would call it the Apple computer. I think I couldn't think of anything other than Mac. If they were launching now, would they even bring out a computer? <laughs> Good point. <laughs> You know, given the way things are going with with, with touchscreens, hmm. who knows? But I mean, we're, we're yet to see a kind of a company that a touchscreen first in terms of a startup. You know, all the brand, all the people that we've got at the moment that are, that are in this game are, are established players. You know, like your Microsofts and your Googles and your Apples. We haven't really got the got a got a new startup player that's gone screen first, screen you know touch touchscreen first. Yeah, I have a few friends who work at. Apple and one who just previously worked at Microsoft and moved on to the uh, Brave web browser group. Okay. I am a graphic designer. I love Apple computers and technology, Tesla, you name it. I, I find media subscription services very interesting, what Netflix is doing to change entertainment. And I observe all these different products. We have them in the family room and in our pocket and at the office even in the car. So I think that there is a broad spectrum of different technologies that we can talk about that relate to our our work and our family life and things that would pertain to you, Lee, that I wouldn't necessarily notice here in the state of Georgia in America, the South. We had a great discussion on a previous podcast on, I guess it was maybe not quite a year ago. Not quite, maybe eight months or so, yeah. Yeah. Good chat. Yeah, I enjoyed that. I did too. And what I like about podcasting in general is that it affords these opportunities to make friends and get to know people and share ideas. I certainly base most of my technology buying decisions and what I want to use in a regular basis on the things that I've heard on a podcast because I think that that's the best way to process what matters to you. And so I like to listen to other podcasters just to tell me, 
you know, like, how do I feel about their feelings about the latest MacBook Pro? And then from there, I can, I can find what really suits me. And I know that you're going to do that for me as well. Yeah, well, hopefully, yeah. I mean, from from my my perspective, you know, as as you know, I'm I'm a Apple user in most of my uh, most of my home life. I, I work a nine to five, where I use uh, Windows, so I do I do have exposure to that. But I'm I'm a Mac fan. Apple, you know, I'm, I'm iOS, a lot of iOS these days, used throughout most of my family. I'm the same as you. Where I listen to a lot of podcasters that I enjoy listening to, and I value their opinions about certain products, especially iOS products, you know, well, I'll, I'll, I'll take advice and, and really, really take their views on stuff. And that's, that's what I like contributing. I mean, my, from, from my perspective, I'm, I'm a freelance writer as well as working a nine to five. So my kind of Mac usage is mainly markdown, uh, image editing. I enjoy photography, so I can bring that to the, to the table a bit. And I also, I, I play guitar, so I've, I've got a good experience of recording audio and, and guitar on iOS. So hopefully I can bring, bring some knowledge to, to the listeners too on that. Very good. Yeah, and I hadn't thought about the music topic. We're going to have to add that to the queue if we didn't already. Definitely. I want to talk about consuming music. I can tell you lots about consuming music. My brother plays the keyboard. I don't. Cool. I, I used to play the clarinet, but that was that was a lifetime ago. <laughs> so in this episode, I wanted to talk Lee, about the MacBook Pros and the MacBooks in general. This has been one of the more vexing issues for Apple enthusiasts and generally speaking, just the market as a whole. There's been a lot of shakeups to the lineup. We have the issues concerning display technology, the audio ports, uh, just the ports in general, what Apple has done to the keyboards, to the function row, and tr well, frankly, even the trackpads and force touch technology. Yeah. There is a lot to discuss here. and. So let's start at the beginning with the MacBook Pro and how do we feel about the latest lineup? Apple has changed a lot about the MacBook Pro over the last few years, but this one time when they changed in 2016, we're just now seeing how the market in general is responding to the MacBook Pros. So I think one thing probably to preface the our conversation a bit is remember at the similar time to the MacBook Pros launch, and don't forget that Microsoft uh, launched in the studio, which I haven't tried, but I know there's there's quite a large portion of people that think that maybe Apple should be going full touchscreen. One, you know, certainly in my experience of using iOS and a Mac, I do quite often find myself reaching up and touching the screen. <laughs> uh, but I mean, generally, my my view of of, of the MacBook Pro. I've tried both the touch bar model and the non-touch bar. The non-touch bar, I didn't. I don't see as a massive upgrade from the previous generation. Uh, the touch bar model, I I'm okay with the keyboards. I know a lot of people are not, but I'm, I'm personally I'm fine with the keyboards. But I didn't find the touch bar to be that intuitive. I found certainly on the one I tried at the Apple Store, I found it to be a little dim. Just the screen, just mm. the screen on the touch bar to be a little dim, and I don't know if it was just the way it was set up, but I found it quite difficult to immediately see what was going on. And as someone who I use a computer all day, I'm looking at a screen, I'm not looking at the keyboard. So I just, I I've kind of find it counterintuitive to look down there, to look at what's on the on the actual touch bar itself. So I think from a an RSI perspective, from a, you know, an ergonomics perspective, I think the touch bar for me is, is 
is a step backwards in a way. But yeah. I, I can see the benefits of it if you're editing video or, or audio, but I think as someone who's writing a lot, I just don't see the value in it personally, myself. Do you like a lot of keyboard shortcuts in general? I, well, to be honest, I don't use a massive amount. I'm quite often I'll be in Ulysses or uh, IA writer, and I'm just using, you know, copy and pastes, to be honest, most of the time. I don't use a lot of replacements or a lot of keyboard shortcuts. But I could never see myself typing and then reaching up, like I do on my phone, you know, like a replace on your iPhone. I could never see myself typing a word and, and going up to the touch bar to say, oh, actually, I want to type this full word. It's quicker just to type in the word than it is to reach up and hit it. The autocorrect line or having the the word suggestions? Yeah, exactly. The bit that kind of what I was referring to is it's, I just, it just seems a slower way of inputting for me. I'm not a really, really fast typist or anything, but when I did try and use it, I just found that it just didn't feel right and I'm stuck in old habits maybe, but I look at my family using computers and most of them are iOS only. They don't even use a keyboard. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think this is really a step for getting people who are kind of iOS focused using a keyboard. Their words per minute count is a nice even 15 to 20. <laughs> Overall, I'm kind of, I guess I'm, I'm underwhelmed. If I still had a MacBook Pro, I certainly wouldn't be trading in my iMac for one. Well, since you brought up the touch bar, let's talk about that a little bit more. As far as, as a design aesthetic, it feels very much like an Apple product to me, but I do see that it is hampering a lot of the functionality that that is decades old and ingrained into the Mac users because I don't use the, the F and key very much for the function ability that it might possess, but I use it for things like the brightness controls, for mission control, for even a, what is it called, launch bar or launch pad? Yeah, yeah. And the play controls for iTunes? Same. Those things make a lot of sense to me. Same, yeah, that's all I use. And in theory, if those things are presented on the touch bar, then it's not going to be any big deal to me. It doesn't offer new functionality necessarily to something that I would use. It's going to be the same thing in a different input method. So that they've replaced it with a screen, I actually have to look down at the thing now to see where I'm tapping and yeah. where I might be sliding. Whereas uh, my my uh, muscle memory is really good in my fingers. Do, you, do your fingers have muscles? Um, <laughs> and I remember the place of all those keys. So I can reach up and tap things to play pause and maybe the raise and lower the volume without thinking about it. And now I know that the touch bar will probably be something that I do use personally in the not too distant future, say with my next MacBook purchase. But it's going to be something that has a learning curve. It'll take a little while, maybe a year, who knows, but then it will eventually become ingrained. And when it gets to that point, it'll make no difference to me because I'm not gonna use a certain application just because it has slider inputs from the touch bar. It already, I mean, every Mac product Every Mac app has the ability to give you full-on voice control, let's say. You know, you could do voice input methods, but not every application takes advantage of that. Most of them don't. And then you have all these keys, and they could develop countless keyboard commands. But not all the Mac apps take advantage of keyboard commands. Not even Apple's Notes app takes advantage of some very rudimentary keyboard commands that would be very useful. And then you got the mouse, and then you have stylus 
input methods like the Wacom tablet. Wacom, yeah. yeah. All of these things combined, I just don't see that the touch bar is necessarily a, a, a useful device, apart from the fact that it is already presenting the, the commands that you already use on the F and row. Yeah. It really doesn't present any minuses, and it really doesn't present any pluses, actually, to what I would use a MacBook for. No, I mean, I've been trying to think of a way of equating it to another technology that Apple have done over the last couple of years, and and the only thing I can I can kind of relate it to is three D Touch on the on the success and seven, in that it's kind of it's I I've I've got a seven and I forget to use it half the time. I'm not sure what what what, what you're like, but a lot of the time, especially using it from home, you're going to have it in clamshell. You're just going to have it connected to a screen. Personally, I don't think this is really going to be a big deal until it's on a keyboard. That which I think is inevitable that is, there's going to be an external keyboard with this on. It might be more useful, but it's like you said. There's no real, there's no real pluses and no real minuses to it. It's kind of if you have the money and you're trying to choose between the one with the touch bar and the one without, then I would probably go with the one with because it's not that not a massive amount of money difference, and it may be useful in a few years' time, but. It's not that feature that's going to sell a MacBook to anybody. Then let's talk a little bit about the differences between what configurations are optional to you. Yeah. We have the 13-inch size. We also have the 15-inch. The standard MacBook is 12 inches. Yeah. But then you also have a little bit of a weight difference. It's not too considerable. Between the 15-inch and the 13-inch models, you've got 4.49 pounds for the 15-inch and 3.48 pounds for the 13 then you have the option of getting the 13-inch without the touch bar with the original F and key row, if that is what you prefer. And then you'd also have a little cost savings there. And if you're going for the 13-inch models, you're going to get 9 hours of battery life and 10 hours for the 15-inch. You might consider, does that extra hour of battery life really matter that much? Does that make a huge difference to you? If you're using the MacBook Pro on the go a lot, perhaps. Maybe. Then you also have the you know, the price range, wide. It's just huge, between the basic 13-inch model and the 15-inch. So the 13-inch, the basic one with the F and key row, can start at $1,299. What does that translate into uh, British pounds? Probably £1,299. <laughs> Pound is so bad at the moment. There's not a huge amount of difference in that. <laughs> okay. We get ripped off over here, whatever. So, it's, uh, yeah, there's not a huge amount of difference in it. And then you got the starting price I, I, for the top of the line 15-inch MacBook Pro, which is twenty three ninety nine, and that is before you upgrade like the storage capacity or the RAM capacity. Yeah. So if you just wanted to buy the standard top of the line in terms of best processor speeds, then it's twenty three ninety nine. Would you ever consider buying a Mac that was more than two thousand dollars, Lee? No. No. Well, saying that, I'm sat in front of a 5K iMac, which actually, to be fair, it was refurbed, so it was less than that. But I think, for me, I never... If I was a professional, and I knew that I was going to be doing a job, and I would get X amount of money for it, and this, this would enable me to do a better job, or this would enable me to have more opportunities, then, yeah, potentially. But f spending any, anywhere kind of north of 2000 have a sit back and think actually what what benefits are you getting over what you've got already 
Uh, and, it and is pretty crazy if you think about it that you can get the starting model for twelve ninety nine. It is, yeah. and then it's a, an extra eleven hundred dollars to get the starting top of the line model. So, what else are you getting for your extra eleven hundred dollars? You're getting two inches of screen real estate, an extra pound in the weight, an extra hour in battery life, maybe the touch bar, and. A just a, a fraction of better speeds in terms of performance and maybe some extra storage, but on the whole, how does the bottom line 13-inch model compare? How do you feel about the 13-inch model? Is it a viable alternative for someone who wants the economical Mac? I mean, for me, uh, a 13-inch uh, MacBook Pro is my default. I've never been a big fan of 15-inch laptops anyway. I think if you're looking at a uh, a 13 inch MacBook Pro, you should also be looking at the 12 inch MacBook. Personally, for me, I would lean towards the 12 inch MacBook. I don't think it's a great buy. I, I really don't. I really don't think that base model MacBook Pro without the touch bar is, is, is a great buy at the moment. I really, I, I, like I said, I, I think this year, if you've got a, anything north of a, a 20, probably a 2014 MacBook Pro, I think it's going to be fine just to keep what you've got unless you've got any serious kind of uh, hardware problems. I have the 12-inch MacBook, and I really love it. I got this one earlier this year. It has been what I use for podcasting, for graphic design, a little video production, and all the other basic Mac activities. And one of the things I love about it so much is its size, its weight. It feels very comfortable in the hand, and I don't think too hard about it if I pick it up from my desk and I take it upstairs to the kitchen counter or then out to the local Starbucks and other coffee houses. And I think that I would begin to notice the weight of a 13-inch MacBook Pro. I, I noticed it in the past with my 15-inch that I had in, from a 2012 model. And what I don't like in general about a 15-inch model is the weight and the size when you're trying to sit at a small table at a Starbucks coffee house. Yeah. I actually have an Ikea desk at the house I intend to upgrade here pretty soon. Same. Yeah, I've got I've gone. But the real estate I have on it is not the greatest. It's uh it could it could use a few extra inches if I'm gonna have a fifteen inch MacBook. I like to have one of those risers for the Mac so that it is up closer to the level of the monitor I have it alongside of. So I have the MacBook open as my second screen and then I have a much larger monitor as my main screen at the desk. And I don't mind reducing it to just one display on the go if it's 12 inches. There is some truth to, I don't know if you've noticed this. I'd like your opinion about this. A lot of people are really concerned about screen real estate and they want the biggest screen that they can get. Yeah. And I understand why, but here, here's my thinking about the size of the screen for a MacBook, that it's similar to the experience you have with 3D glasses for a 3D movie. For me, if, you, if you're watching a good 3D movie, you put on the glasses and at the beginning, if it's not giving you a, a headache and if it fits on your head and you, you're getting comfortable watching this movie with 3D glasses and the, the picture is in focus, you'll notice this phenomenon where for the first two or three minutes, you notice that everything is in 3D. But then beyond that, for the next two hours, you don't really notice it until something tries to fly into your face. Yeah. And it's the rest of the time, your brain tunes out the 3D aspect of the film and it is interpreting everything. And as your mind is absorbing the film, 
you're much more captivated by what you're actually seeing that is taking place in the action of the of the whatever you're watching. And the same thing goes for me for the size of a MacBook screen. And the same and how I I think everybody experiences this and they're okay with this already yeah. is by the fact that they use their smartphones. You have your Android device or your iPhone in the, in your hand and once you get accustomed to the latest model, you don't th- think too much about the screen size. So if you were making the leap from the 5S to a 6 Plus, and then later you got a 7, you notice for the first few days that the screen real estate changed dramatically. But then after that, you really don't think about it anymore. You just pull it out of your pocket and you're using the phone. You know, one thumb or two thumbs, it doesn't matter. Yeah. And you're quite comfortable with the screen real estate. And if you need to, you just you know, adjust how far it is from your eyes so that you can see it and it feels very natural. And the same thing goes for MacBook screens. I don't notice a huge difference between a 12-inch, 13-inch, or 15-inch. I just notice the added bulk. So after the first few minutes using the thing, because the keyboards are the same size and I don't really need a larger trackpad I think the experience is about the same. I'm exactly the same. I mean, on iOS, I went from a uh, a 6 to a 6S Plus, enjoyed the screen until my RSI issues gave me some problems, went back to the 6 or the 6S, you know, the 4.7. Within a couple of days, I totally adjusted. And and one of my favorite Macs of all time is the 11-inch MacBook Air. Uh, and some people do say it's, bit squashed you know top yeah, to bottom it has a, it seems a little extra wide doesn't it it does but again you, you, your brain has a as a good way of adjusting to things um, and you know i've got i'm sat in front of a you know 5k imax so i've got a 27 inch screen i can go from that to to an 11 inch air and be fine i'm not a doing graphic design like yourself so you know the resolution on the on the air is obviously not retina so you do suffer a little bit from there but for me personally it's fine. I'm more about weight and form factor than I am about specs and and screen real estate. Hmm. So then they also upgraded the size of the trackpad for the MacBook Pros. Especially, I think the 15 inches definitely got the larger trackpad. Maybe the 13 inches is larger as well. It's huge. It looks huge on the 13 inch. Um, okay, then it must be larger than my 12. My twelve inches. I would get, yeah. I mean, without seeing them side to side, but I would guess so. Yeah, I would guess. I would guess it's bigger. Uh, I do like the extra space there, not because it's necessary, but it provides a more fluid experience if you come to the edge of the trackpad and then you got to move your fingers again to continue scrolling. Yeah, I think it would save not a huge deal of time, but it might be a much more comfortable experience. And, I, and what really amazes me about the the trackpads with force touch is that nobody has complained about them being odd. Like if there was any point of failure that you could expect on a new device where they made the device much larger and you have to have that tactile feedback from the Force Touch technology, you'd think it would be this MacBook where people would complain that it didn't feel right, that the, the kickback doesn't feel like a natural click. And perhaps there would be some points of hardware failure. Yeah. But I haven't heard anything like that, actually. No, it's an amazing piece of technology, that, that trackpad. I mean, I've, I remember when they first came out, 
and I, 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 my where where I work in the day isn't actually too far from an Apple store, and and and, and I purposely went over at a lunch on a lunchtime to try one out, having already had a, uh, at the time I had a twenty fourteen MacBook MacBook Pro thirteen inch, and I had to check if I was using the one with the with with the new Force, <laughs> the new Force Force Touch uh, trackpad, because I wasn't sure. It just felt so natural that. Uh, I, I, you know, I turn it off to make sure I was using the the, the the right one. But it's an amazing piece of technology. I know every time I am handling the phone or my MacBook for the same reason, and I I touch the home button or I I touch the trackpad when it's off, it feels so weird. It does, but it yeah. doesn't give you a response. It's just a solid piece of material. Uh, it's very eerie. It feels really odd on the phone. Uh, you know, on those occasions you'd have to do a restart or you'd have to turn it off and just having nothing there, especially if you pass it to, to somebody in the family, you know, who's got a success or, or another iPhone and, and they can't believe it, you know, when they, when they, when they, when they use it. <laughs> it's really just a, an odd thing because it's, it's really just solid material. And that is why, again, I say the force touch in innovation is one of the more subtle things that Apple has done that I think is a reflection on their standards for innovation in recent times. You know, a lot of people are criticizing Tim Cook's Apple for not being very innovative in the MacBooks and in the iMacs. And <laughs> we all know, look, we all abundantly get it that the Mac Pro line is, <laughs> it's either doomed or it's fossilizing. It's not going anywhere unless Apple surprises us. I don't see an update to the existing Mac Pro lineup. Personally, what I think they're going to do is do an iMac Pro. That's just my opinion, my 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 thoughts. But an i an iMac Pro would almost make more sense to me. But I'm like I'm 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 not a pro. I'm not a professional. I think I would love video. that. Yeah, I mean, if you imagine, you know, an iMac with some really powerful. I mean, even this the the, the one I've got is is only the base. It's only the base spec model with eight gig of RAM, and it's it's fine fine for me. I've done a bit of video edit, editing on it and a bit of photo editing, and it's fine. But uh, if they could pack in, you know, the latest cards in, in into an iMac with this screen, I think that would sell quite well. The uh, iMac Pro theory has some credibility to it because Apple didn't create a new model of the Thunderbolt display. If they had yes, created yeah. a new external display lineup, you would know that they did that because. It was a win-win for the MacBook Pros that obviously a lot of the professionals would use a new Apple professional external display. But even more so, it makes a lot of sense for the people who would be buying a new Mac Pro because the Mac Pros obviously don't have a display. Yeah. So Apple would have a much greater payoff for the new Mac Pros in 2017. But it, what they are leading towards is outsourcing all the displays. They're, if I heard right, it sounds like LG is actually responsible for all the displays that are being put into Macs now. Yeah. So yeah. I like your idea a lot that they could make, say, a space gray or you know jet black iMac Pro. Ah, oh, that, that would be interesting. I think it'd be pretty awesome. I think I would even want one. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I love the form factor of the iMac, but I mean, it's a bit ridiculous, you know, when when you've got a Mac. Well, I could I could be wrong on this, but I'm pretty sure with the with the with a top-end Mac Pro 
plugged into a one of the new LG displays, you're not going to get 5K out of it. I don't think you get 4K out of it. Uh, it, it there's something happening to that Mac Pro, and we won't find out until next year. But uh, I mean, just just on the MacBook Pros and the MacBooks in general, one thing I wanted to pick up with you because you're, you're you're living with it is how are you finding the uh, the dongle situation? I mean, personally, I, I'm I'm okay with it because I'm used to using them with my iPad. But uh, mm. I mean, how do you find it daily living living with just having those one port or that like one or two ports? Well, one port in your case, isn't it? Okay, so on the MacBook. I next to never need to plug it into an external device except for when I want to produce a backup of with time machine. Okay. And this does create a little frustration because I forget to do those. So now that I have a 4K LG display, one of the new types, I plug those external drives into the back of the LG and I never have to think about it. But there are just the four ports and it does mean that there are dongles back there. If my desk were facing outward into the room and people coming from the door could see the back of my display, these LG monitors are basically space black. Yeah. And with all these white dongles coming out of the back, it makes no sense at all. Why didn't they provide black dongles to come with the LG monitor? I don't know. I don't get it. And there is a little inconsistency added that they throw in a USB-C cable in the box with the LG monitor that I'm aware of, it is the only way to get a black USB-C cord to plug the MacBook into the monitor that all okay. the others that Apple are selling are white. So my, my main frustration is that I, I would have to have a dongle for every device yeah. and that it would have to be a different color than my MacBook and my display. My display is space black and my MacBook is space gray and then the dongles are jet white. Yeah. Why is that? <laughs> yeah. I'm looking at getting a potentially getting a laptop in the next few months. And I keep coming back to, I've got an iPhone 7, I think, like yourself. I've lost the headphone adapter so many times. Yeah. <laughs> I know losing the headphone. <laughs> I, I know losing the headphone jack is a bit different to using the old older kind of USB connectors but for me it's the same because i'm still having to carry something around that i'm potentially going to forget the number of times i've taken my phone somewhere and i've just had my i've just totally forgotten the adapter and my bluetooth and my bluetooth headphones i've not got the uh, airpods i've just got a, a, another set of bluetooth headphones and the amount of times i've been stuck where i've not been able to listen to anything i'm just thinking if i get a macbook or a macbook pro i'm gonna i know i'm gonna get stuck do you think that it would bother you though with the mac if you were using an i5 or an i7 processor like come on the MacBook Pros? To be honest, with the when it comes to the processor on on a, on a Mac, I don't tend to worry about it anymore because, I mean, I'm, I've still, I used to have a 2000, I think it was a 2011 uh, 11-inch MacBook Air, and I was doing YouTube stuff back then, and I could edit video on it, not 4K, obviously, but I could edit video, I could do photo editing, I could do my writing. I could do everything I ever wanted to it on it because it, it had the SSD, obviously, and and that was the first computer I had that had SSD, and it's and and it was when kind of the light went off, you know, that it's SSD that makes most of the difference. When I look at Macs now, I don't even think about the processor because I know as long as it's got the SSD, it's going to be fast enough. So personally, it doesn't bother me. 
And I have the same experience. And how about those ports? Would that bug you? I think the ports probably would. But I'd probably get used to it because my main kind of portable machine now is an iPad Pro. I've replaced a, a 2014 MacBook Pro with a 12.9 inch. And I've got the, all the adapters I need. So I've got one for the SD card, which is pretty much the only one I've got, to be honest. And I, I think I can plug that. I'm not 100% sure, but I'm pretty sure I could plug that into a MacBook. I'd have to test it. But I think I'd be okay because that's probably the only thing I plug into it. Hmm. The only thing that would annoy me, I think, is plugging my phone into it because I know on the MacBooks Pros, you can't plug your iPhone 7 into it, can you? You don't get the cable you need for that. With no, a MacBook, no. with, do you plug your iPhone? You've got an iPhone 7. Uh, I do. My way around that is to have a family iMac that I use for making iTunes backups for the iPhone okay. and syncing with iTunes. I don't use my personal MacBooks. I haven't all these years. The only time that I'm plugging together the iPhone and the MacBook is to get some photos if I'm going to do some editing. Yeah. And that's usually work-related, and it's just an unexpected sort of, I need to make a deposit of pictures so that I can work on them in Photoshop. And I'm not thinking about the iPhone as a phone, really. I'm just using it as a camera at that moment. Do you never want to use it just for charge? I never charge connected to the MacBook. Okay. I never have. I wouldn't necessarily... I mean, it's a long time, actually, since I've connected a, a an iPhone to a Mac for data transfer. I always... Because, you know, I work from home, and quite often I'll use my iMac as as a music music box, basically, just playing iTunes. Yeah. And my phone will be charged into it, plugged in all day. So I'd still want to be able to do that easily without having to think about it. Because, <laughs> you know, obviously on the iMac, I can just I can just plug the lightning cable straight in, the USB, the old-style USB. But with my iPhone, it's frustrated me enough where I've been looking around for cables that I know if I, if I switched over to the new ones that I would be a bit frustrated. But I'll hmm. get over it. It's not the end of the world. But, right. Um, well, with just a few years, they're going to manage to change enough of the market of, with all the exactly. devices. Your external drives will be dying out anyway. You will be replacing them. So when the time comes, you'll just get one of the drives that has the right kind of cables. Yeah, it'll work itself out. I mean, over in the next five years, say, yeah, it, no one's going to be worrying about old US. Well, old is not old, but you know the USB standard that we've got. The most most laptops have these days, but. Now, one of the things I do like about the new MacBook Pros are the new speakers. My MacBook has a very nice speaker along the top, right beneath the monitor that goes above the length of the keyboard. Yeah. And I noticed it is significantly better than the 15-inch 2012 MacBook Pro that I had, where that speaker technology didn't really seem to improve for almost a decade. Maybe it did, but it didn't feel like it. It didn't seem like it. And I was using the third-party speaker enhancer app called Boom to create a fuller and louder speaker. And you could crank that up, I guess, past what Apple thought was was like appropriate or yeah, uh, yeah. safe or made any sense. But the Boom app really worked. And I thought, why didn't Apple just crank this kind of sound out in the first place? Because no one who had picked up Boom was complaining that their sound hardware was failing or something like that. There wasn't any complaint, complaint that it was like against regulations. At least ways 
not to the public per, you know, perception of the device or in the, what, what Boom could do for it. So I like the new speaker across the top of my, my 12-inch MacBook. It is, it is good enough to listen to music on occasion and to listen to podcasts far and away. And also if I'm editing a show and I'm in a bind because I, I just don't have headphones handy, now with the 13-inch speakers move to the sides of the keyboard. There's a span of speakers on both sides of the keyboard for the 13-inch model, and it looks very similar to my 12s, but it does sound like bigger audio. And I noticed that it's even better with a 15-inch. And part of me is torn because I love that sound. I really do. On the 15-inch model, I noticed it in the Apple Store when I was giving it a test drive that the 15 inches sound was, I don't, I don't want to say it was better, but it's more immersive. So if I was using this in a, a quiet setting, or if I wanted to play a video, let's say I wanted to play a video with some friends in a noisy office or a coffee house, I'm going to be, they're going to be able to hear it much better with a 15 inch MacBook, just because it creates a wider range of music or sound. So maybe we're watching a movie trailer on YouTube or we're trying to catch a quick commercial for something. I, I do a lot of video production. That is one of the things I do in my day job. Okay. And I would like to share videos and be able to hear them pretty well. And maybe we would gather together in a room and somebody's holding up their computer real quick and, hey, check this out, play a clip of something. It's, it's disappointing to raise up your MacBook, your 12-inch MacBook, and play it if you cannot hear the quiet parts of the audio very well. So uh, there isn't enough normalization in audio production these days, Lee. You're going to have to <laughs> talk more about that when we get to the audio professional stuff later on, talking about musical instruments and music. Yeah, that'll be good. I look, for, I look forward to that. I mean, from speaker quality on the MacBook Pro, the last one I had was the 2014, like I've said, and... and I've never found it to be amazing on the MacBook Pro. So, I mean, I've not tried the new one in terms of uh, in terms of audio quality, but certainly the, the, all the ones I've had, and that includes the Air as well. I've never found the the Mac audio quality to be that great. The first the first device actually that I I, I can use as a speaker is probably the twelve point nine inch iPad Pro because you got the four speakers. Mm. Uh, yeah, it's no, there's not loads of bass, and 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 you know, it's not going to match a speaker system, but if you're at home, you know, family around, or if you're at, with, at someone's house, you want to play a bit of music, it's perfectly fine. Uh, it's, mm. it's, it's got good volume to it. But I'll have to try it. I'll have to try uh, next time I'm in the Apple Store. I'll, I'll, I'll have a look at the I'll have a look at the speakers because I think if they've improved the audio quality of, of the Macs in any way, it's a good it's a good it's a good step forward. So, buying advice, Lee, would you be in the market for a MacBook or a MacBook Air or a MacBook Pro if you were buying today? I think if you're new, if if you need a laptop and you don't need, you're not too worried about the the screen, that you're not bothered about having a Retina screen, then I think the Air is still the best buy, and I think the MacBook after that is my next kind of favorite. From a buying perspective, but if you know, I'm I'm potentially in the market for a for a laptop. I'm going to be looking at the air. Some people might think that's a bit backwards, maybe, but I just think it offers the 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 best value for money at the moment. I think we should talk about our shopping wise approach to the MacBook line another day. And 
I feel similarly that the MacBook Pro, I don't think that it is a bad computer. I don't think it is a ba bad Mac in the lineup today, but it is not as desirable. It's not as intriguing. It is not as innovative as they appeared to be in the lineup before. So many of our friends in, on the internet, other podcasters are really annoyed with, with what Apple did with the Macs this year. And I don't feel that, that negative about them. I just don't feel necessarily as positive about them as I did in the past. So the MacBook Pro, the 15-inch model, was always the most desirable to me before. And now when I think about it, I, I really would pass. If I was yeah. buying one today, I would probably pick up the 13-inch with the touch bar because I'm getting that, uh, that speaker system that just gives it a little edge over the 12-inch model. I do want to toy with a touch bar, even though I wouldn't take it very seriously. And I don't think that it would make a huge difference to my experience with the keyboard, except for causing an extra learning curve time to get used to where the buttons are. I think it looks fine. It looks a little bit odd from different angles because the light hits the surface of the touch bar and the way it reflects the light or doesn't reflect the light depends on the angle you're looking at it. Yeah. And that's not a big deal. But again, it's just something you've got to get used to. Then one of the things I would really enjoy about the new model is that the keyboard itself does seem ever so slightly better than the 12-inch MacBooks. And I've done thousands, tens of thousands of words typing on the MacBook. And I love it, and I don't even think about it anymore. It's like the experience of the 3D glasses again. But when I am thinking about it, I instantly prefer the feel of Apple's wireless magic keyboard, I think they call it now. Yeah, that's what I use. I love that keyboard. My second favorite is the new keyboard on the MacBooks Pro. That feels like it's the closest thing to it. And I don't expect it to be the same. I'm, I'm okay with the keyboard being a little different because it's shallower keys and they're thinking about streamlining and the thinner body of the MacBook. And I'm not going to hold it against them. But the, the MacBook's keys are just a little bit, they feel a little bit handicapped, like they get sticky or stuck. You, there, there's next to no, uh, what do you call, like key travel, travel sometimes. Yeah. yeah, they feel, uh, I that's one thing actually I, I didn't, uh, I didn't mention was when I was trying them out, I was looking at a, a MacBook Pro and I was going from typing on a new MacBook Pro with touch bar, I think, against a MacBook. And I definitely found the MacBook Pro to have a better keyboard for me than the than the MacBook. I was making more mistakes on the MacBook than I was a MacBook Pro. And I don't know if that's something to do with maybe the keys wider or the key spacing, I'm not sure. But I found I was mistyping, unless I was looking down at the keyboard, I was mistyping a lot more on the MacBook than I was on the, on the, on the MacBook hmm. Pro. If I'm writing for my site or for, for, for somebody else, most of the time I'm typing on the smart keyboard cover. I really like that keyboard. Okay. So I'm not that fussy, really, when it comes to keyboards, but I did find the MacBook Pro, the new MacBook Pro, to have a better keyboard than the MacBook. But I still prefer the Air. I mean, going back to the, the keyboard on the Air, very much matches up to the, the Magic Keyboard, you know, the external keyboard for the Mac, which I use. Hmm. So I still prefer that older keyboard. I mean, I'm kind of old school, I guess, maybe with, 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 with Macs, but I can type on pretty much anything once I get used to it. Interesting. All right, Lee, I think that's going to do it. Where would you like people to find you on the internet before they get to episode two? 
Okay, so the best place to find me is probably on Twitter, and that's LJPUK. And my, my, my site that I write at is ljpuk.com. That's probably the best two places to, to get a hold of me. I love your site. We're going to have to talk about your site too. Thank you. Yeah, we'll do. I am JCS Darnell on Twitter, and I am on there every day. I may not be talking today, but I'm always thinking about you on Twitter. So if you say something to me, I will definitely read it. And I'll get back to you as soon as I can when I find the words. I don't tweet incessantly like a lot of the people do that I love to follow. I just don't tweet as much as they do. I don't have, I don't know, maybe I don't have enough time. <laughs> maybe I don't have enough bandwidth. But I, I love you anyway. And if you want to find Applesauce online, then you need to visit nightowl.fm slash applesauce. And there's a few other podcasts there, none of them technology podcasts at the moment. But it is a small network I started with my friend TJ Draper, and it is a pleasure to work with him. I want to say check out the shows on nightowl.fm if you're interested in movies in particular right now. Yes, I have a coffee podcast. Do you have any opinion about coffee, Lee? I avoid caffeine, I'm afraid. <laughs> uh, just like TJ. Well, I've always been okay with like tea, you know, but I just can't stand coffee. It's just, a, I don't know what it is. Maybe I had a bad experience when I was a kid, but even the smell of it, I'm just like, oh, I can't do it. <laughs> but I do, I do, I'm, I'm, pr I'm pretty clean when it comes to uh, caffeine just because, yeah, it just doesn't help my, <laughs> just doesn't help my uh, kind of stress levels when it comes to work sometimes. So I just avoid it. Mm, next year you're going to be saying you don't even drink tea. Now and again, more of a herbal tea guy, but okay. that's probably not going to go down. That's probably not going to go down well with yourself. <laughs> no, 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 no. I enjoy herbal tea. Maybe that's for the other show. Maybe <laughs> we'll we'll talk about tea on the after dark on the this podcast. <laughs> so, <laughs> thanks for listening to episode one. Please subscribe, rate us on iTunes if you want others to discover it. And until next time, I have been Joe Darnell. Thank you very much for joining me, Lee. Thank you, everybody.